Would you bow your heads and would you pray together with me? Lord God, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us today, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is our rock and our redeemer, who is the giver of all good gifts in our lives. Amen. Well, as I said at the beginning of worship today, this is the third week in our Advent Conspiracy series. In the first week, we talked about this idea of what would it be like this year if we worshiped fully, if we didn't let all the other things that can distract us during this holiday season, the parties, the, 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 the extra work we have to do, the presents, the decorating, all those things, if we didn't let those things get in the way of us truly worshiping our God this year. And, uh, and then last week, we talked about this idea that we really spend a lot of money at Christmas. In fact, I shared with you that uh, the, the National Retail Federation says that Americans will spend $850 billion this year on either holiday travel or holiday gifts or holiday decorations or holiday parties, holiday foods, special meals. It's a lot of money. We don't really need to spend all that money to have a great Christmas. The, the question was, what if we spent less? What if we just didn't spend all that money this year? And now this week, we want to talk about this idea of if we did that, we could take some of that, some of that extra that, that we didn't spend this year, and we could give it together to make a difference in the world. Now, why would we do that? Why, why would we talk about giving more at Christmas time? Well, it all starts with this idea that we have a God who is a giver, who at, in his basic nature is one who gives. I used a passage from uh, um, Timothy last week, and, uh, um, but, but if you go earlier in Paul's ministry in the book of Acts, there's this kind of cool story about how he's in this place called Athens. And uh, people hear him teaching about Jesus, and they're interested in what he has to say. So they invite him to come speak in this place called the Areopagus, a place where philosophers would gather together to share their ideas. And, and Paul very wisely starts by saying, look, I know that you all are very religious here in Athens because I've seen all these different idols all over your city, all these different temples. I even saw one temple that you were covering all your bases with to an unknown God. He said, well, I know that God. Let me tell you about that God. And this is what he says. He says, that God is the God who made the world and everything in, in it. It's, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. And he doesn't live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, and then look what Paul says, what Paul scribes to this God. He says, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. In other words, Paul makes the claim that if you are alive, you are alive because God gave you life. And if you are breathing today... You are alive today because God continues to sustain that life day by day by day. And finally, Paul makes the claim that, and if you have anything, if you have clothing, if you have food, if you have a, a roof over your head, if you have a car to drive, it, whatever it is that you have, Paul says, you have that because God gave it to you. God is the giver of everything in our lives, he says. And again, back to that, that Timothy passage, he, he said the same thing when he wrote to this young pastor named Timothy. He said, our, our God is the God who gives life to everything. Everything that is alive is alive because of God. And then in this passage I, I looked at with you last week, uh, he says, and by the way, you shouldn't feel guilty about the things that you have and the money that you spend. He says, because God is the one who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
God gives us things so we can enjoy them, so that we can, so that we can enjoy this life that he has given us, Paul says. Now, I love the old Crossways Bible study series. And, and I love some of the imagery they use in there. And one of the images they use is they use this image for God. Now, uh, picture the three dots or the three parts of God, Father, Son, Spirit, the three, three persons, yet one God, we say, the Trinity. And, uh, and notice the red arrows going from dot to dot. Those, are, those symbolize the, the, the love and the giving nature of our God. This symbol, what it is basically saying about God, is that God has existed before time in this wonderful relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit, each one not caring about themselves at all, but only caring about the other two, only serving the other two, only loving the other two, giving himself to the other two. And as a result, it's this beautiful relationship that we call the Trinity in which our God exists. And then what did God do? Well, he decided that he wanted to give that beyond himself. And so he creates human beings, and he gives us as human beings, it says that we are created in his image, after his likeness. And that doesn't mean we look like God. What it means is we are capable of the same generosity, the same giving, the same loving spirit that God has existed in. We were created to love God perfectly and be loved by God. And by the way, not just love God, but to love one another as well. Now, you see what God did there. He kind of took that, that trinity, that triangle uh, that he's existed in, and he created a new one. Jesus put it this way, that, that the, you could summarize all of God's word, all of God's law with these words, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we were created for. But you and I know something happened, didn't it? Sin entered God's creation, and God's creation became broken, and our relationships became broken. In fact, it's described this way in Genesis chapter 5. It says, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. That's what we were just talking about. He created them male and female and blessed them. But then notice what it says. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in whose likeness? God's? No, in his own likeness. In other words, born a sinful person into a sinful world. So God created it to be like this, but because of sin, this is what it's really like. Ultimately, the person we love more than anyone else is ourself. And that's why the basic emotion for Christmas, at least um, as long as I can remember in my life, is this one. Right? I mean, I remember growing up, and I remember thinking that what Christmas was all about was getting stuff, right? And I couldn't wait to open my presents and get my stuff and say, look what I got, right? Um, and, and by the way, as I've gotten older, it hasn't really changed that much. <laughs> I'll be honest, I admit, still Christmas morning, I'm looking under the tree going, oh, which one's for me? What am I going to get, Right? Uh, and uh, and I, I also remember when I was a little kid, someone telling me, you know, Mark, it's better to give than to receive. And I remember thinking, that's stupid. <laughs> it's better to get. Everybody knows that. It's the way we were born. It's part of this sinful nature that we've inherited that, that is part of this broken creation we live in. Remember, God created it to be like this, where we're not worried about ourselves, where we're just worried about what we can do for others, and instead, it's like this. So what did God do about that? 
God could have sat back and said, all right, you guys wrecked it. I had created this, this beautiful thing. I had created you in my image, and now, now you're created in each other's image. You're not created in my image anymore. You've, you've lost that. And God could have just said, you know what? You're on your own. Or worse yet, he could have said, forget it. I'm done with you. And he could have just ended this creation. But what did God do? Well, God doubled down, and he gave again, we're told. In, in John 3.16, that favorite New Testament passage, that, that famous one that a lot of us probably already know by heart, it says, God loved the world so much in our sinfulness, in our brokenness, in our selfishness, God loved the world so much that he gave. He gave again. And what did he give? He gave his one and only son. I heard a, a quote this week that, that really got me thinking a little The the, the person said this. He said, Jesus came to tell us that God still loves us in person. In other words, he didn't just send a prophet or just didn't send an angel to let us know he still loved us. He came himself in person in the form of Jesus to tell us that we were still loved. And not just to tell us, by the way, to show us through his perfect life and through his death for us, Jesus came to give yet again to us. And so as a result, that, that brokenness, that, that selfishness that we all live in, it's the manger, it's the coming of Jesus that breaks into that cycle of selfishness. And, and through the work of God's Spirit in our lives, because of what Jesus has done for us, we are once again able to love God and love one another. Not perfectly, not yet, not till heaven. But this side of heaven, we are capable of being what God created us to be. We actually are capable of being selfless and and, and starting to think about others more than ourselves and and, and it becoming better to give than receive actually becomes a reality in our lives again, at least in a small way. Our, Our selfishness isn't totally gone, but the manger breaks in and gives us a chance to once again be created and live in the image of God. That's what God has given And we see that in the Christmas story right away. We're told about these magi, these wise men from the East that that studied the Old Testament prophecies and in some ways knew them even better uh, than King Herod and others and, and, and came to Jerusalem looking for this new Savior who is to come. And, and when they found that Jesus, what did that gift of God's Son inspire in them? It inspired worship and generosity. Notice what it says. When they they saw the child and his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gift of Jesus inspired them to give in return, to be generous in return. The early church was the same. After they had lived with Jesus, after they had learned from Jesus, after they had seen Jesus give his life for them and then rise from the dead and ascend into heaven, they put what they learned from him into practice in their lives. And look at what it says. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They knew that everything they had was a gift from God. But they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were, that, that there were no needy persons among them. 
the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus inspired them just as Jesus had given, they gave generously. That's why you've heard me say this before and you'll probably hear me say it again. We are never more like God than when we are being generous. Now, back to that Timothy passage one more time. I want to give you the full context. I've given you a couple little snippets last week and this week, but, but I, I want to just go one last time to this verse and give you the full context. Look at what he says. Again, this is Paul writing to Timothy, a pastor. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And then look at what he says. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life, the life that is truly life. Folks, if you really want to experience the joy of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas, the, the, the blessing of Christmas this year, Paul says to hold on to that which is really life, the way we do that is we give. You're generous. Now, this is, uh, this is uh, Betty's and my Christmas tree. Uh, finally got all the ornaments on this week. It took us a little while this year, but we finally got all the ornaments on. And we've got some really cool ornaments. Some of my, um, some ornaments that were my grandparents and, uh, and, and Betty's parents and my parents. We've got just some really neat ornaments on the tree that mean a lot to us. But, but a few of the ornaments on the tree mean a lot to us for a different reason. Um, one of the ornaments on that tree is this. It's a little bucket. Do you remember those of you that were here in 2008 when we did our first Advent conspiracy and we built wells in Liberia, uh, ended up building wells for 28 villages there. And every year when we hang that bucket up on our tree, we remember what a blessing it was to be able to give and be a part of making that difference in people's lives. Here's, here's another one on there. This is a, a, little, it's a little wooden house shape that we've written our names on. And, and that was from the year that we uh, built a home here in DuPage County with Habitat for Humanity as part of our Advent conspiracy. And, and we didn't just give money. We, we got to give time, too. I, I remember going one Saturday and helping hang drywall in that house. Um, what, a, what a blessing and a privilege it was to be able to bless a family with a new home that year because of what we did together as a church. And then finally, we have a, a new favorite that we uh, just put up on the tree this week. This year's Advent Conspiracy Ornament that, that reminds us about the work that we're doing to give together for this homeless ministry in the city of Chicago called Collective Chicago. What a privilege it is to be part of making a difference in that way this year. Now, um, we've been blessed to have some videos from Collective Chicago every week, and we have a new one this week, so you can learn just, again, a little bit more about the work that they do. Uh, let's watch this. I would describe the Collective as, a, as like a family. I think that the Collective, more than anything else, is a resource for people to make changes for themselves. Uh, it provides the structure that allows you to make the changes that you need to be successful, essentially. It's just the whole ecosystem is more of a, of a lifestyle of being rather than a program or a cut and dry, cookie cutter way of assembling someone through this routine to get better. It's really just out of proximity and relationship that we find our best selves and we do that together. 
<laughs> it's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> um, I'm in South Chicago Heights. Um, I have a very nice two-bedroom house with a very lovely, nice yard that I love. <laughs> the place that I moved into right after the collective and the apartment that I live in now uh, in Kilmore Park is absolutely the most beautiful apartment I've ever lived in. I have everything that I need as far as like resources. So it's it's a dream, you know? Yeah, like it just, it just feels like so unreal. Like I finally get to you know, have my own place and be in a great space. The more housing we have accessible, the more of those stories that exist. And that is what we're really, really looking forward to. This next iteration of Impact looks like turning this traditional apartment into a beautiful co-living space with shared living rooms on each floor. We're 90% of the way there and are in need of $16,000 to finish furnishing this place to life. This will lay the foundation for so many lives to be transformed out of homelessness into hope over the coming years. Hope for healing, hope for change, and a deep-seated belief that they can believe anything is possible. I like, before I came here, I knew I was capable of some stuff, you know, I think, you know, I knew I was destined for greatness, but I didn't really, like, really believe it. And I think I could do a, you know, a few things, but, like, now, afterwards, I think I could, like, like I told you, I could be the president now. <laughs> like, I, I'm determined, like, to do anything at this point, like, you know, put my mind to it and just help people and just try to make this world a better place. Our dream this year is that we'll be able to raise enough with our Advent Conspiracy this year to not only finish that property for them, but to support a, a group of residents there for a whole year. What an incredible blessing that would be. So I pray that God blesses you as, um, if you haven't done that already, you think and pray about what you can do, what you can give for our Advent Conspiracy offering. And you can do that in a number of ways. Uh, you can either uh, take an envelope and uh, bring it back with you next week. Uh, you can go online and there's a special way that you can make an Advent Conspiracy donation that way. But, but we are praying that together we have a chance to respond to God's love in our lives and we have a chance to give and give in a way that it will change lives here in our community. I pray that God blesses us, and uh, I, I just pray that God blesses this opportunity that we have together. Amen.